This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Stirk Financial Services. Now, here's Mary Stirk. Today with me, I have Amy McFarland. Welcome, Amy. Good morning, Mary. And okay, so here's the thing is that there is so much smoke and mirrors inside investment fees. And sometimes I think that part of the reason that ridiculous prospectus that comes with every investment is so big is because (laughs) there's so much to say in order to cloud the way and the understanding of what people have about how fees work. Mm -hmm. So I believe in full transparency. I think that the the most uh, important thing you can know as an educated investor is what's happening with your money. Yes. And part of that is understanding exactly how investment expenses and fees work. I think a lot of financial advisors are a little loath to talk about this, mm-hmm. but I would rather just put the information out there so people understand. Because once you understand, then you can make a decision what you want to spend your fees on yeah. and how that might benefit you. And sometimes that can be a good thing. Yes, I mean, exactly. You know, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, let me share with you a little story. We had a uh, person come in. Um, she had uh, some money in a trust account for her child, and um, it had been left to her from uh, some relatives. And the this client of ours was the parent, and she was named as the trustee for this money that's in her child's name. So. She really wanted to do a good job of making sure she was managing her child's account in the right way. And what she really was having trouble understanding was how the fees worked. So we did a deep dive into explaining to her how the fees work. And that's actually what gave me the idea to create this show. Okay. Yep. And we were able to show her how to align the best fee structure with the future goal of that account. And by restructuring some of the ways she had things, we were actually able to save over $5,000 a year in fees. Oh, my gosh. That's a huge amount of fees to save. If that $5,000 can be in your pocket instead of an investment company's pocket, I think that's a pretty good deal. (laughs) Yes, it is. (laughs) It's the way it should work. (laughs) Exactly. So the, the first thing I think that people should do is investigate the fees. Okay. That is absolutely the truth. So Where do you start? Um, Well, here's where you're going to start. You have to look at data sources to figure them out. And why it can get so confusing is that all different types of investments have different ways of figuring out the costs of them, and they have different structures of fees. Okay? So let's talk a little bit about um, mutual funds. All right. Okay? So... Typically, a mutual fund is going to have a couple different types of fees involved with it, okay? Now, mutual funds come in different share classes. A share class for a mutual fund could be an A share. It could be a B share. It could be a C share. It could be an I share. I mean, there's a whole bunch of different types of shares, okay? And then there's also some mutual funds that are called no loads. No load funds mean they don't have an upfront charge to put your money into them. But most other mutual funds do. Not all of them, but most of them do. Okay? So let's take an A share for an example. Okay. When you put money into an A share, there typically is an upfront charge that is in the neighborhood of maybe 5.5%. Right. Okay? So if you put in $100, you might pay $5.50 in an upfront charge. Doesn't necessarily sound like that big of a deal. 
right? Yes. But if you put in $100,000 and all of a sudden your upfront fee is $5,500, you might be feeling that a little bit more. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So the first thing that you want to understand in a mutual fund is what is the sales load? Okay. And the sales load is the upfront or the back-end charge that you will have when you purchase a mutual fund. Okay. So the thing about the upfront charges with mutual funds is that the more money you stack up with any one company, you can dial down some of those fees. Oh, why is that? Well, it's called a break point. Okay. Okay. So let's say that you put a hundred thousand or let's say you put ninety nine thousand dollars worth of company, that company's break point might be you still pay the five and a half percent. But if you put a hundred thousand dollars with them, Maybe now it's only four and a half percent. Okay. They want to encourage you to invest more. Yes. Yes. That's exactly right. Sure. (laughs) You hit the nail on the head. They want to encourage you to put more with their company. So the thing about the sales loads is that you want to find out, if you're wanting to invest in a mutual fund family, you want to find out what their breakpoints are. And if you can hit the breakpoint, you're going to lower your overall fees. All right. Okay. And a breakpoint doesn't doesn't necessarily mean new money into it. Let's say you have an account for your wife that has a hundred thousand dollars of of mutual fund, and then you're going to put a hundred thousand dollars into the same fund family. You get to combine your household value that's in there. So it's not just new money that's going in; it's just total money that's invested with a fund family, regardless of when you invested it. Okay. Okay. So you want to look at that when you're trying to figure out what your fees are. So the sales load is upfront on an A share. Okay. Now there's another type of sales load that is a little bit more insidious, and that is what's called a back-end sales load. Okay. So a B share was created for people who really didn't like to pay that upfront sales load. (laughs) And a B share has no charge when you put your money into it. And if you just keep your money there for long enough, you're going to not have to pay a sales charge. So usually the B share say, hey, if you've left your money here for at least seven years, when you take it out, you probably aren't going to pay a fee. Okay. Now, if you take it out during the first seven years, you're going to pay a penalty, and that penalty is likely to get smaller and smaller as the years go by. And after seven years, it's gone. Okay. Now, that sounds like a pretty good deal, right? What if you just leave it there long enough? Well, that's just it. There is a catch. All right. (laughs) So the catch, when you don't pay an upfront sales load in a B share, the catch is that the internal kind of hidden costs are higher. Okay, so okay. what do I mean by that? Yes. In, an, in a mutual fund, there are always ongoing annual expenses that are part of the fund. Okay, now every fund is different. Every company is different. But every mutual fund that I know of has an ongoing annual expense. Okay? All right. Now, in an A-share... They may be average around 1% a year. Okay? So you don't see it, but it's there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So if oh. you see that you made 6% in your A share, right. it really made 7 and they kept 1% and you got the rest of the 6. Got okay? It. And if you saw that you lost 5%, you really only lost 4, but they still take their 1%. So now you're down 5 Okay. okay. So the the percentage cost of the ongoing annual expense in a mutual fund is going to be the same every year as a percentage. So you're seeing the net 
Yes. Uh, Bottom line. Yes, exactly. When you see the returns on your statement, it's after that expense has been taken out. All right. So an A share maybe averages around 1%. The issue, though, with the B shares is that they average closer to 2%. Mm -hmm. So you didn't pay a charge when you put your money in, but you're going to, generally speaking, pay almost double that internal annual cost. They're going to get you. They're going to get (laughs) you. they got to make their money, too. (laughs) Yes, that's right. But here's the thing about those B shares is that that extra cost is going to last until that back-end load is done, which usually is about seven years. So if they charge you an extra 1% a year for seven years... Mm-hmm. You not only have paid that load, you've probably paid more and you paid it over time. Okay. And since the annual fee is a percentage of your investment, if your investment's actually grown over that seven years, which, you know, is kind of the point, <laughs> <laughs> if it's grown over that time, then you're paying way more in the internal expenses in the B shares than you oh, would have sure. paid in that upfront sales load on the A shares. Sure. And it's the, logical. Yeah, but but a lot of times people don't understand that you have to dig down to that second level of fees to really understand what's there. So interestingly enough, financial advisors get paid the same whether you buy an A share or whether you buy a B share. Oh. There's not a compensation incentive for a financial advisor to sell you an A share or to sell you a B share. So a lot of times what happens is you only hear about the load part. You don't hear about the internal expense part. And that's really what makes the difference over time. All right. Okay. Wow. Good to know. Yeah. So the um, there's also inside that um, internal expense, there's a thing that's called a 12B1 fee. What a ridiculous name. <laughs> 12B1. 12B1. Talk about demystifying. <laughs> yes. Your 12B1 fee. Well, here's basically what a 12B1 fee is. The 12B1 fee is almost entirely what goes to your advisor on an ongoing basis to continue oh. to take care of your account. Right. So if you just have a straight mutual fund account, then the 12B1 fees off of them are what pays your advisor to continue to take care of you. Okay. Right. And they can be anywhere from a quarter of a percent to a half a percent to 1%. It just depends on the fund. Um, but the 12B1 fee exists in some funds and doesn't exist in some funds. Mm. Okay. Right. So that's another thing to look at when you're investigating your fees. You want to look at whether or not your funds have a 12B1 fee because then you're really going to understand exactly how your advisor's making money if, yes. if you have a mutual fund account. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. And can you find that out on your own or I, I mean, how would you, or, I mean, if you're left to ask your advisor, hopefully you have a trusted advisor. Well, yeah, but, hopefully yeah. your advisor will share that with you or you can go online to like a morningstar.com okay. service and look that up. Um, you can a lot of times look it up on like a Yahoo Money or a Google Finance oh, sure. or something like that. Okay. That information is readily available out there, but usually people don't know what a 12B1 fee actually means. All right. So that's something that's kind of interesting in terms of how mutual fund expenses work. So we do have something that um, if you're interested in, um, you know, learning more about how to design and manage your portfolio and be mindful of these expenses, we're giving away a booklet that's called Designing and Managing an Investment Portfolio. And I would love for you to call in 217-355. I'm sorry, I got the phone number wrong. 605-217-3555. And uh, we'd be happy to send you that or you can request that online at sterkfinancialservices.com. 
So yeah. annuities kind of get a bad rap they for do. fees. <laughs> and, and there's a reason for that. The reason for that is that the fees in the annuities, generally speaking, are higher than the fees in some other types of investments. Okay, so there's got to be a reason for that. There is. And I think you can kind of think of it like this. You know how like when you go on a diet, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. a lot of us do. Preach into the choir. <laughs> <laughs> when you go on a diet and you start paying attention to your calories, you think mm-hmm. about how some calories are good and some calories are bad. Right. Like maybe protein calories are good and fat calories are bad or carb Correct. calories are bad or something mm-hmm. like that. But it it's not necessarily just the good and the bad that matters. The count matters overall. But some calories are good and some calories are bad, but ultimately you're going to have calories, right? Sure. And you can kind of think about that along the lines of how annuity charges are. If if you want what the annuities offer, it might be worth it to you to pay the extra fees. Okay. If you don't want what the annuities offer, then they're kind of like the bad calories. Why would you have them? Okay. Okay. So the way annuity charges work, let's dissect a variable annuity to start with. The, the way that the charges generally work in a variable annuity, and again, this is a generalization, but usually there's what's called a variable annuity charge. And that's made up of a administrative fee, and it's made up of something called a mortality and expense fee. Okay. Okay. Because in annuities... They have some benefits that are tied to how long you live. <laughs> really? Yep. So that's the exercise portion of the diet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I like that. So that's why there's a mortality charge in here because they're, they're anticipating you to live for a certain amount of time. So they have fees adjusted for that. So the variable annuity charge, the combo of those, let's just as an example say maybe that's going to be about 1.4%. Okay. Right. Okay. Then the variable annuities have investment options inside them that are called subaccounts. And subaccounts, um, they, they um, can kind of mimic the look of a mutual fund. They are not mutual funds, but they kind of mimic or mirror what a mutual fund investment does. They're like a basket of stocks or a basket of bonds that are actively traded or passively traded. And the, each of those different subaccounts has an internal expense fee. All right. Okay. And let's just say the internal expense fee on those is maybe 1%. And so what people don't realize is you have to add the variable annuity charge to the subaccount charge mm. to figure out what your total annual fee is going to be. So now you're up at about maybe 2.4, 2.5%. Right? So you can see how that can start to have what we call drag on a portfolio, meaning that if you are paying 2.4% in fees, Mm -hmm. there's not as much left for you. Sure. Okay. Now, variable annuities often have what are called riders on them. And the rider is something that creates another benefit. So maybe it creates a benefit uh, for your beneficiaries, or maybe it creates a benefit for income while you're alive. And, um, they, a lot of these writers um, that are out there give you flexibility with your income, but also can make sure you have an income that you never outlive. Okay. okay? Well, that's kind of attractive, never outliving the money that you have. I kind of like that idea yes. in some cases. But if you're going to add a writer, you're going to add more charge. So maybe you're going to add mm-hmm. a whole other percentage charge to have the writer. Right. So now to have a variable annuity that has income for life you're looking at maybe three and a half to even sometimes 4% of internal costs for that. That's a little steep. It is a little steep. But 
here's the thing. But that 1% is like insurance almost, isn't it? The writer. Well, in, you in can kind of look at it that way. I mean, they are an insurance product. They are they are put out by insurance companies. Okay. Um, but if you're getting something good that matters to you, then you have to evaluate whether or not the fees make a difference to you. You know, if what your most important thing is, is to have a source of income that you can't outlive, then maybe it's worth it to pay those charges. So it might outweigh. It might outweigh the charges. Yeah. And that's an individual decision. That's something that you can't just say, oh, all annuities are bad because they have more fees. And you can't just say, oh, all no load funds are good because they have low fees. The fees is just one part of the decision. Mm -hmm. The more important part of the decision is what are you trying to do with your investment? And if that investment can accomplish that for you, you need to understand the fees and decide if you're willing to pay them or not pay them. Okay. Okay. Now, again, we've been talking in generalizations here. This isn't something that all variable annuities have this kind of charge structure, but a lot of them do. And so what you really want to understand is talk to your financial advisor, talk to the company, see if you can dig your way through those giant prospectuses and see if you can figure out what some of those costs might look like in your particular plan. All right. Okay. All right. So um, the next thing I want to talk about is what's called a managed account. All right. And a managed account is a type of account where it, generally speaking, is liquid. You usually don't have any sales loads to put your money in. And you don't generally have any time frame that you have to keep it there. So there's no sales load when you take the money out. Okay. A managed account is what's called a fee-based account. Oh. Fee-based means you're paying a fee. <laughs> <laughs> Period. It's pretty simple. Pretty. Pretty straightforward. <laughs> Self-explanatory. <laughs> exactly. And fees are generally going to be... Um, slide around as to how much they charge based on how much money you have. All right. Okay, so like for instance, a fee-based account might say if you have less than 250000 in it, maybe your fee is 1.5% a year. If you have a million dollars in it, maybe it's 1%. If you have $3 million in it, maybe it's 0.75%. You know, it just depends on the advisor and the program that they're using for their managed account. Okay. Who and, are these usually attractive to? I mean, a fee-based, I mean, you, I guess you generally split everything up but well you don't hear as much about this i think fee-based accounts are actually um more attractive to a more sophisticated investor okay because and this is just a personal opinion that i have i would rather pay somebody a fee for a service than pay somebody a commission Oh, absolutely. Because I feel like if I'm paying an ongoing fee for something, I'm probably getting something for that. Mm -hmm. Where I feel like if I've paid, if I've bought something from somebody and they made a big commission, I think that, well, once they made their money, they're not going to care about me as much anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So the fee-based arrangement, I think, lends to a really good long-term relationship with an advisor because you're kind of in it together that way. You know, as you grow, they grow. Sure. And and I think that that's a good alignment with things. Okay. But in a fee-based account, you're going to have the fee. And usually what happens is whatever your fee is, let's say it's 1%, that generally gets broken down into fourths, and a fourth of it is charged each quarter. Oh. And it's charged right out of the account, and you see it. It is not hidden. Okay. Oh, <laughs> It's wow. not hidden, All which right. is nice. Mm-hmm. 
Now, inside that fee-based account, you might go into stocks, you might go into bonds, you might go into funds. Depends on what you go into as to what other charges you're going to find in there. Okay. Okay. But usually in a managed account, in a fee-based account, there's no trading charges. So you can go into as many different things as you want without sales loads to buy and sell them. Right. So like those old commercials you'd see where the broker would call his guy and say, hey, I've got something you should trade today. Yes. And you're always wondering, well, is this better for them or better for me? Are they just trying to sure. make a, a fee for me doing a trade? The answer in a managed account is no. Uh-huh. When there's no fees for trading, it means that trading is for the benefit of the account. Okay. And the oh. fee is the fee regardless of how much trading you're going to do. So that's why I think they're a little bit more attractive sure. to certain people. Um, but nevertheless, I think they're strong investment options as long as you understand that the fee is the fee. And then inside of there, there could be additional charges depending on what is, in, is invested in inside of it. Okay. Okay. So, okay, so I guess the the main thing I want to say is investigate your fees. Find out within the fees how your advisor is getting paid and and then decide if you're comfortable with that. And if you have trouble figuring that out, you can always give us a call and we'll help point you in the direction of the data that you need to determine that. Oh, sure. So, and then we also have, like I said, a a great giveaway called Designing and Managing an Investment Portfolio. Just call us at 605-217-3555 for us to send you that. And then I also just want to mention that right around the corner, we have a great seminar coming up. Yes, we do. This seminar is for people who are contemplating or are going through a divorce. Okay. Not an easy situation. I'm incredibly empathetic to people who yes, are going through I've this. Been it's a there. tough time. Yes, I've been there is, myself. Yes, and you're going to be talking on the financial end of yep. the divorce components. How to navigate your finances through a divorce in a way that uh, you you feel confident that you're making smart decisions and that uh, you understand the impact of those decisions long term. And that is July 26th, I believe. Yep, July 26th. You can register on our website or uh, you can give us a call to register. Hope to see you there. Thanks for listening. Call us at 605-217-3555 for your free copy of the Designing and Managing an Investment Portfolio Booklet. The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of your audio provider and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities or services mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can assure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should only be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Woodbury Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Insurance offered through Sterk Financial Services, which is not affiliated with Woodbury Financial. Sterk Financial Services is located at 350 Oak Tree Lane, Suite 150, Dakota Dunes, South Dakota, 57049, and can be reached at 605-217-3555.